Hey, good morning. You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I'm Felicia King. Today, I have special guest, Kyle Wentworth of Wentworth Consulting Group here with me. Uh, He is one of the top CTOs in the country. He's also a business coach and a business process modeling expert. He's also a gentleman that's got multi-decades of experience in knowing what works and what doesn't work. So I invited Kyle to have a convo with me today about some pretty substantial learnings through not only just recent observations of things I've personally witnessed, but to get his his uh, interpretation of those things and to get his input on what he thinks might be ways to permanently eliminate such problems from an organization through good use of good processes. So welcome, Kyle. What's up? Good morning, Felicia. Good morning. <laughs> Um, this, is so a great, you... this is a really great topic. Okay. So let, let's get started with like, I always love to talk about real world examples. And some things that I've seen recently is just very brief recap on it. And then let's, let's hack into what are the causes and what do we think are some uh, solutions of it. So what I've experienced recently is I've seen a transition away from internal IT being the the sole input, so internal IT is not eliminated, but internal IT was altered at an organization from being the sole arbiter of what should and should not be getting paid for. So meaning there's now been more oversight, there's now been more checks and balances implemented. And uh, it's a process, it's been taking about a year to unwind that and found over $175,000 worth of things that were getting paid for that shouldn't have gotten paid for and finding literally a history of things that were uh, being paid for, but not being utilized to the benefit of the organization going as far back as 2006. And when I inquired with the accounting department about why that was, the process that they were using was that if the IT director said that it should be paid for, they paid for it. So it's really, it's really an incredible uh, oversight that all comes down to a single, a single point of, of observance. And it's a lack of education of the people who are paying the bills and the people who are approving the solutions by the offerings of necessity to people who really didn't understand the solution that was needed as they were presenting it to leadership that they needed to pay for that solution. It comes down to an entire lack of understanding of the language and business of technology. That's and that's very succinct. <clears throat> that's it. It's the the language of technology changes so rapidly quick, so incredibly fast, that it takes a sea of people who understand little pieces of that technology, of their particular part of the language, to work together to come to a complete perspective of how the business of technology should be run. And when you have a 
a small onset of people who are not uh, foundationally uh, trained in technology, who don't have the ability to look at history of technology as well as the the encompassing future of technology that are making decisions mostly on the fly to fix a problem instead of develop a solution, a long-term solution. For the entire business's perspective of technology, you end up with overburdening costs of purchasing in technology that wear the checkbook thin and without any auditing in the process of the people who are making those decisions to oversee the people who are offering the solutions with the bill involved in those solutions, you end up with tons of overburdened, overrun in, in, in the checkbook. And like you said, we have all we have all walked into as a managed service provider in history, walking into technology departments where you see boxes of thirty and forty thousand dollar servers that were purchased eighteen and twenty four months ago that don't have the sleeve cut on the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, at one point somebody had yeah. an idea that they wanted to put this in, and they and yeah. and they just made a purchase, and it was approved by people who didn't understand why. Yeah, let, let me let me hover on that for a moment. I have uh, some pet peeves around this because I've been so burned uh, by uh, people being so just like completely reactionary in the past where I have a procurement policy that I follow, which is I respect my clients. You know, like, you know, it's I, it's very succinct like that. But but let me articulate what that means. I don't understand why anybody would be buying a server when they haven't actually seen at a minimum a spreadsheet that says, here are the workloads that we're going to host on that server. This is what they are. These are their technical requirements. This is the licensing that is associated with that server. This is the hard drives. This is how they will be allocated this is basically the engineering plan that is demonstrating how this capital expenditure will be allocated and configured to deliver economic value to the organization. So note, I'm not saying that this is, this is not a project bid spec, okay? That's not what it is. It's an actual engineering plan for the server and its licensing and it says this is how it's going to satisfy these workloads now i can't comprehend a, a situation where i personally would make a procurement decision to go spend money on a significant piece of hardware without that level of due diligence so i don't ask my clients to do that yet i continually encounter situations where Business owners do not require that. And furthermore, they just allow their IT department to just buy whatever without any proof about how that's going to be implemented and when. And why is this? The, right. re the reason it is, is because of this language barrier. If, and, and I use it, I correlate it to languages you don't speak. Most people in the U.S. speak English. 
I don't know if um, that's the exclusive only reason. I think there's another reason that contributes to it. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, but I think there's another factor. And that other factor that I've observed is consistently across the last 30 years, what I've seen is business owners, most likely because of the language barrier, they seek to just find somebody to delegate these things to, and then they abdicate their involvement. And so there's the failure is you can mm -hmm. delegate, but you cannot abdicate risk management. Risk management must still reside at the executive layer. So, you know, at least at the very minimum, the CFO should be having a procurement policy that says, show me a reasonable plan about how this is going to be utilized. And if I can't understand it, then I'm going to get somebody else involved that can help me at least have another set of eyes on it so that we can at least be doing a reasonable level of due diligence. So what, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, uh, auditing is the number one in the, in the concept of technology auditing and all of our processes in business should have auditing. It should have somebody that's not part of the process reviewing the process who, who hopefully has more knowledge about the process than the people who are running it. Well, and there's a, that's a tall order. <laughs> it, it's, it's a tall order in a lot of cases because most commonly that individual or those people, that team of people doing the auditing is, is not already within your organization or they'd yeah. be working in that process. However, risk mitigation is the number one piece, the number one reason why auditing is, is essential for a business. Risk mitigation, compliance, cost efficiency, strategic alignment, uh, all of these, these get, getting down into the point of operational excellence in your business stems in the beginning by understanding the risks involved in the operation that's being that's being brought to light in the business that needs to be implemented and and in a lot of cases if you're an executive in your business and you're not looking at the if if you don't have the capability of understanding the risk that's involved you need advisement in order for you to assess your level of risk to that implementation and and that's what this conversation is all about is is when we're executives in an organization we have to surround ourselves with that group of people who know more about that topic than we do and we have to have some way of measuring whether or not there's legitimacy to their level of knowledge to help you make decisions that mitigate that risk because nobody knows everything I mean, I don't go into my I don't go into my brain surgeon if I needed a brain surgeon thinking that I know about brain surgery and I can't research brain surgery on the Internet and and become a brain surgeon. Well, I think even the experts are learning something new every day. I mean, I certainly do. In our field, especially. It, our field is more difficult than brain surgery. It covers the entire body of technology. The brain is just one piece of, of, of technology when we correlate the body to technology as an entity. The brain is just one part of that. It takes an entire body of doctors in technology to 
manage the technology infrastructure of any business, regardless of the size. And you and you get out of your technology the knowledge base that's putting effort into that. So when we talk about uh, this this process of of <clears throat> not seeing or not understanding what's being presented to you, and we get all these overruns that happen in business. It is the reason why external auditing is so important. And I think that's what stemmed this conversation between us. Yeah, you know, I I always love to include examples of real world, tangible, actionable, what can we do? And and so in alignment with what you're talking about, I want to convey something that we do that we've done, I think, ever since the beginning and then the feedback that I've received on it. So great example is, let's say we're doing an invoice for the annual Office 365 licensing and all of the parts and pieces that go with it. There is, if there's anything in there that isn't like completely obvious to the business owner, like, gee, you have eight users, so therefore you have eight licenses. Well, it's never quite that simple. There's always reasons why you have additional licenses and other things on top of that. So yes, we have statements of work, but I always love just to put the detail right in the invoice too. And it doesn't mean that the invoice is a carbon copy of the SOW, but there, the intent that we do, and, and I've never seen anybody else do this. Now, I'm sure there are other IT service providers do this, but I've never seen anybody else's invoices that do this. And I've never heard from anybody else um, that's a customer of ours that they've ever, ever worked with anybody else who's done it. So uh, it's it seems to be, um, very rare, but I've had a direct experience where the the CFOs are like, you know, we really appreciate that level of detail, and then it helps them when they have auditors. I've had circumstances where clients are funded by grants, and then they have auditors. So, like, you know, they might be a state-funded uh, entity, and then so state auditors will come in, and the accountant for the organization feels very confident in being able to explain to the auditor and to justify to the auditor what those expenses were because of the articulation that we provide with those items and and the details, right? So instead of just chucking an invoice at somebody or chucking a quote over at somebody, there's an explanation in there. And, and I kind of use this in a, a, a continuum of complexity. And it's like recently did a, a very large Office 365 renewal. And in the grand scheme of things, there wasn't really that much of a financial difference between last year and this year. However, the licensing used was changing substantially. And I felt that it was necessary to explain to the client why. So I wrote up not only a full document explaining it and the strategy, but then I had a meeting with the executive management team to go over it and saying, you know, here, here's your two factors. Number one, I respect you. And so because I respect you, I'm giving you an understanding about the why. Why are these licenses needed? Why are these types of licenses being recommended? And what do they strategically do for your organization versus other op options? 
And then the second thing is just simply the financial analysis saying, what's the change? Is this impact to you? How does this, you know, is it less? Is it more? Is it, what is it, right? So having that discussion and I don't see enough organizations demanding that. And I, I think before I turn it back to you, I'll say one other thing that I think has just completely hacked me off. So this is another one of my hot buttons is where when an organization doesn't have a procurement policy that's based upon standards, they will just light money on fire. And I've seen it over and over and over again. They'll just let internal IT buy whatever computers they want. And then lo and behold, later on during a cybersecurity audit, they find that, oh, gee, all those computers that IT bought with no oversight, not based upon any standards, they've now all got to be replaced because they weren't, those purchases were driven from a wrong set of requirements because the procurement policy didn't exist and it didn't require a set of defined, written, and agreed upon requirements for the technology because I guess the organization doesn't think that they need to procure technology to meet the needs. It starts off. It starts off with understanding uh, the guidelines that govern your businesses. Understanding what governance and compliance standards your business is required to be upheld to. Some businesses don't have them. Um, you don't have a particular compliance or governance standard <clears throat> that that dictates how you do business. However, if you take a credit card, there's a governance and compliance standard to the computing resources that are used to take those credit cards. So it's very difficult to get to a point where you aren't really governed by something in business if you're transacting financially with an external entity and that is not cash. Well, and everybody has employees. <laughs> And everybody every, has employees. Most, yeah, most businesses have employees. Yeah, and then and then everybody, uh, you know, everybody has cybersecurity insurance. And so, if nothing else, those two things right there are going to drive a lot. And it's amazing to me when I encounter people who are like, "Oh no, we don't, we don't have to comply to that." In fact, the thing that I've also observed over the last three years is people I was talking to three, four years ago about you need to have cybersecurity insurance, you need to have XYZ things in place. The failure in the thinking at the executive level about how because they're not being audited by a governmental entity, because their perception is that there is no enforcement Therefore, they don't have to be operationally mature. And that is changing. But boy, is it changing at a glacial pace. If we went back to the beginning of this conversation and started off the conversation, why are we having this discussion? We're having this discussion specifically targeted towards business executives, potentially even business owners, the people who are in charge of the ship. And, and I challenge those business owners to walk through every 
aspect of their business and identify what they don't understand about that aspect of their business. It's not necessarily, do I understand how to put deposits in the checkbook? It's, do I understand what every function of my business is doing, like like the captain of a ship, knowing where every bolt and every weld is in the ship? You have to understand your entire business as a whole when you are the leader of that business. It doesn't mean that you have to know every single operational function of your business, but you have to understand your business as a whole. Where you identify gaps in your understanding is where you need an auditor who can come in and identify what that function is of your business and ensure that it's operating correctly. Ensure that your team of people are being trained to do that part of their business correctly and are staying up with current process operations for how that function of your business runs. And the and it, it's not like you hire those people full time. Those types of people are brought into your organization to provide intellectual superior knowledge, superior knowledge to that function in your business at that point in time to ensure that that portion of your business is running at at its top peak. And that, that's interesting because there's a middle ground there. You know, I think there's a middle ground. I, I don't want people to have the perception that they can just hire uh, like an an auditing, like like let's just talk about IT for a moment here. Uh, they, I don't think that they can just hire an IT auditing arm of an accounting firm and then somehow have some sort of a result. I think that the only way, the only outcome that's going to be coming out of that is maybe egregious gaps. Okay. Like really, really egregious gaps. But and otherwise, that's commonly, that's commonly a misperception is yeah. that, is that uh, auditing firms and, and organizations that do valuations have the proper people to do this type of auditing. Yeah. And, and I don't think they do quite uncommonly the case. Right. Right. Yeah. So the, the, the only things, I mean, in terms of like what works, what I've seen is first, if the organization by a miracle of God can actually locate an external resource to function as a fractional uh, advisor to them, fractional meaning on a part-time basis, not as you know, full-time engaged internal. Uh, if they can actually miraculously identify somebody with adequate levels of skill in that area to advise them in that way, then they could potentially be getting to a decent outcome. However, I think there's still potentially a limitation on that, which is that uh, I personally have experienced repeatedly where un until the time that my team was given the task of actually being the personnel that were responsible for the function, then we didn't have the visibility into the processes to actually identify how messed up they were. So that leads me to 
just pivoting to what I do at QPC is that's why we do rotational jobs. I believe that you can, as an, if you're a very, very highly functional organization, you can get to uh, a, a level of where, and I'm not saying don't use external advisors. I'm saying that by doing job rotations, you are increasing the probability that someone will identify gaps in the processes that have been done by others. And we you're also, all, we do yeah. it all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we do it all the time. And a lot of that comes down to <clears throat> inadequate resources, not necessarily incompetent resources. It's different. It's inadequate resources in technology. And I think you and I've spoken about this in the past in technology, especially from external providers, it is very common for the scope of work of a project in a defined timeline of executing that scope of work runs into other interference that causes the timeline of that to either need to be pushed out a ways in order to complete it all or to have supplemental projects added to that in order to complete the additional tasks where the client sees the scope of work being install this firewall, install this switch, install this server, connect up this internet, put in this wireless. They don't see all the other interference that happens in the middle of that, both internal to their organization and external to their organization that's internal to the IT company. There's a lot of distraction that happens. And in a lot of cases, the managed service providers who are servicing these organizations run into resource issues where you just don't have enough resources to complete the entire task list at the given opportunity of this contract. So we commonly see firewalls that have been in, I, I pick on firewalls a lot because they are an extremely complex part of, of implementation in the business. The larger the business gets, the more integral their their firewall becomes in controlling the communication flow internally, externally, and laterally with inside of the business. It's a complicated piece of the puzzle. And so it's common that this or that piece of the process of putting the firewall in didn't get done during the onset of this project and it got tabled into another task of, oh, I need to go back and do that for this client because I didn't get it done during the original project. And it gets tabled again and it gets tabled again. And without an auditing process or cross-pollinating your, your staff to work against different clients where they see these mistakes or these, these shortcomings that weren't completed happen without that kind of process in place at the managed service provider, you do end up with isolated individuals inside of the MSP who are focused on an individual client solely responsible for the outcome of that client. Mm -hmm. And and that's just failure waiting to happen right. because one person can only be stretched so far across so many different clients. Well, And the resource availability <laughs> of, of competent engineers in our industry is falling short especially people with foundational knowledge. Well, and, so. and that's also, you know, in that sort of like siloed uh, one engineer, one client approach, there's then no opportunity for 
the organic validation that all of the documentation that's been done for that particular system or configuration uh, is a workable document that is meaningful and understandable by the other people that would need to provide business continuity uh, in that you know, failover context or in that, gee, I've now got a cover for you because you went on vacation context. Right. And, if, you're, um, if you're a business owner, and we'll interject this here in a, uh, just as a quick tidbit, you should be auditing how the business operations of your external pro- service providers, not just IT, but how they document processes for other clients. What is their history of documenting the business interactions that they have with their existing clients so that you understand how they're going to document your business in the event that, one, you want to change the the managed service provider, or two, you need to go through an audit, or three, you need to completely rebuild a system in your business. You need to understand how the documentation of your systems are happening from your external provider. I well, digress. So, Go ahead, please. Yeah. So, so the last two, so we got just a tidbit left here, but the last two pieces there is that I see a failure in the uh, assessment process of selecting a new IT service provider. Uh, business owners never seem to assess the thing you articulated there. Uh, and furthermore, they don't want to pay for it. For, they don't want to pay for documentation. Okay. We are sadly out of time. Uh, Thank you, as always, 